Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments ranging from single site projects to multi-million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations, Alliance Leisure Services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Eurovision. Now, every year you sit at home, you watch these amazing acts take place, but I've never personally thought about how does that come to be? How do you, uh, how does the city come to win such a, such a, a momentous, um, uh, momentous events? And today we are absolutely ecstatic, excited. We are a little bit hyper. We've got Philippa Horrocks on today, who's special project manager and was instrumental in securing the Eurovision for Liverpool uh, city council she was the host city project manager um for the games and just philippa thank you so much for coming on to the podcast how are you no problem at all yeah i'm great thank you how are you yeah i'm well i'm well and um congratulations on everything because i know not only did you uh secure the eurovision not only did you organize it and help run it so that it went off and it was amazing by the way um yeah. what an endorsement for the city and for, for the country but you also yeah. organized a marriage at the same time and a wedding <laughs> I did, yeah. I, I wouldn't advise that, and it certainly wasn't planned. And um, the marriage was planned before Eurovision was even a possibility. Um, so yeah, it's safe to say that 2023 was um, a pretty busy year for me. That's for sure. So can you talk us through that then, just for those listening at home? Like, how what was the process for you with, with securing Eurovision? What did you have to do? What, yeah. what did you? What was your involvement and your role? Sure. So I think that all started and came about when we found out that obviously, sadly, Ukraine weren't able to host and that it would fall to second place, which was obviously the UK. And at that moment, um, our um, director um, and our councillor and our cabinet member, Harry Doyle, who, who's a huge Eurovision fan, actually got in touch with Claire and was like, I think Liverpool need to host. And from that moment, it, it was like, actually, could we? So the very first stage was um, the BBC were obviously announced as the host broadcaster um, and they basically put an expression of interest out any UK city could apply. And those are very basic um, criteria. So if you were able to go into that first round and that expression of interest, you had to meet some like minimum criteria, basically. So that was to do with a certain sized capacity venue in your city and um, so many hotel rooms. Um, certain proximity to an airport so all of the basics that you would have to have to even be considered to host an event of that scale so um, Liverpool of course met all of those that all of that criteria so we filled in a very basic expression of interest form um, and then from there um, we were invited to a bit of a seminar with the BBC um, where they went through some of the basics in a little bit more detail um, and then from there, that was shortlisted down to eight cities across the UK based on all meeting that minimum criteria. Um, and from there, that's when like the real bidding process started. So um, I was lucky enough to be part of the actual bidding team as well. So I've kind of been working on Eurovision from the very first day that we decided to kind of throw our hat in the ring. Um, and so myself, um, our director of culture, Claire McColgan, um, and our head of creative, Robin Kemp, were kind of like the small team in the city here that were looking after that bids from, the, from day one, really. 
Um, so at that point, we were then sent a huge document from the BBC and the EBU, who obviously look after Eurovision, um, and, and that was the bidding document. So that was basically everything we had to present to say why Liverpool should host Eurovision. Um, I've had a couple of experiences before with bidding processes um, as part of the Commonwealth Games bid, um, and then also when Channel 4 were relocating, both unsuccessful, sadly, but I've had experience of working on like a bidding process before. Um, it's really exciting, um, hugely time-consuming um, and a lot of pressure, but it, it's a great process to be part of. So I was kind of familiar in a sense of what bidding documents usually look like, but this was certainly the most exhaustive bidding document I've ever seen. So then for the next kind of, I think we were given not, not that long, maybe just over a month to, to pull that together. Um, obviously, it was really crucial to work with a lot of city partners at that stage because we could never have delivered this on our own. It was very much about all of our key partners and stakeholders in the city who we've already got really great existing relationships with. So at that point, we had to build this huge document, which just showed exactly why Liverpool should host. Um, after we presented that, we then had to go and actually um, present to a panel at, at Media City in Manchester to the BBC. Um, and we had to then between us obviously discuss in more detail our bidding document and exactly why Liverpool should host. Um, and so that, that document was hugely technical. Obviously, there was a certain element of it in terms of what you would do as a city. And, you know, what we do well in Liverpool is delivering major events, but also you know, working across the city and our communities and our education sector as well to make sure that everybody feels part of it. So we got the opportunity to be able to present some of those creative ideas as well. But I'd say kind of like 70 to 80 percent of that document was just technical. It was very much about obviously um, our arena here, the ACC Liverpool complex and everything, just to prove that we could you know, host an event of this scale. So we then found out after we'd um, done that presentation that we'd been shortlisted to the final two cities, obviously us and Glasgow. Um, and so at that stage, we were then given even more kind of questions and um, our bids were interrogated even more. Um, and so we kind of were up all day and night constantly answering questions and going back and forth. And, and to be quite honest, at this stage, we really did think we were the underdog. Um, I think, and probably a lot of people did, I think Liverpool was very much seen as the underdog. Um, and so as the process went on and on, we kind of like weirdly felt like we just weren't going to get it. I don't know why you should always be positive, but quite a few of us in the office were just convinced it was going to Glasgow, even though we knew Liverpool was the right city and that our bid was brilliant. We just felt like we were the underdog. Um, so that was kind of, that went on for another couple of weeks. And then the 7th of October, 2022 was the day that we found out. And um, so obviously that was all announced on the one show. Um, luckily, um, there was a, a, a Zoom call about 20 minutes before the one show went live that myself, Claire and Robin were on um, with the BBC. So we did find out that we got it about 20 minutes before the one show. They then locked us in a room because obviously it was just so top secret. We weren't allowed to speak to anybody. They were filming the one show downstairs, actually, in the uh, British Music Experience, just downstairs from our office. So they were kind of locking us away, keeping us away from everyone. So that was like the most tense 20 minutes of my life ever, I think, because we were absolutely ecstatic, as you can imagine. Um, and so we kind of then had to go on the one show and then they made the big announcement. And that whole day just feels like a total blur. I, I, it was just crazy because obviously we were just not expecting it at all. Um, and so obviously at that point, um, it was then like literally the next day, get to work. As you know, you know, we only had just over six months to deliver the event. 
Um, an event of this scale would take anywhere from 12 to 24 months usually, and that, that would probably still be quite, you know, something like the Olympics, for example, you usually have a few years to plan once the host city's been chosen. So to have kind of like just shy of seven months to deliver it uh, was, you know, no mean feat. So we kind of got to work straight away the next day and then basically didn't sleep for seven months until we delivered <laughs> it. <laughs> but yeah, I was really lucky um, to be part of that bidding process. I'm really glad I was part of it from day one, really. Um, and I also was um, the voice of the bid video that we, um, so we have also actually quite a key part that I didn't mention earlier is to support our bit we were able to deliver um, a video as well that was optional something we do really well here in Liverpool we really like visual aids we're really creative so we produced um, alongside the guide Liverpool which is a local partner here and we produced a video to basically explain why Liverpool should should host um, and yeah I was drafted in to be the voiceover for that video as well so I got my help, myself a whole other career out of it <laughs> absolutely you know step aside go compare this is the uh this yeah. is the next is the future I think one of the things as well is for yeah. listening at home is it, it, it's absolutely amazing the work that went into securing the Eurovision it was amazing for the city but there's two parts I want to really kind of just go back on for a second yeah. is firstly how Liverpool has prioritized their investment culture because yeah. there's a real sense of identity that exists when everyone I speak to at Liverpool is that yeah. You know, they're proud of the place, they're proud of the city, but it's, it has a very clear identity. It's a hub of creative arts. It's a hub of music. Um, and that's that's amazing. And I think that kind of shone, shines through. And, and, and the second yeah. thing is that this was a time of very difficulty for the council. You know, the commissioners were in and it wasn't a that everything was in a great place. It probably was yeah. a difficult time to be going out for a major project alongside I mean, that. But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think in terms of your first question, yeah, I mean, we've got such a great reputation now in the city and rightly so for how we deliver cultural projects and it's such a key part of everything we do in Liverpool. I think that all stems from kind of before my time, so from when Liverpool was capital of culture in 2008 and obviously Claire, our director, led that then as well and Claire has just really championed culture and worked really closely with the directors here in the city council right from kind of 2003 when that bidding process started right through to kind of today and I think we're really lucky in that our senior leadership team has always really valued culture as well and so when they're reviewing council services and you're looking at everything that obviously we deliver as a city and our statutory services culture is so highly respected and everybody understands the value of culture in a city for our residents um, so I think we're quite lucky in that we do always have that support and it's always going to be well, up until now, you know, certainly since I've worked here, I've been here for eight years, I think. Um, and, you know, culture is so highly regarded. And I think that's why we continue to see investment and support across the city for that. I mean, don't get me wrong, obviously, everything like like everywhere at the minute is certainly going down in terms of the investment. But it's, you know, we're always, everyone's always fighting for us. Claire is obviously a huge advocate for it, but she does have the support of the senior leadership team in Liverpool City Council as well. So um, I know we're really lucky for that. You know, I speak to a lot of other cities in the UK um, and I'm always shocked when it's not always the same in a lot of other UK cities. I always just think this is the norm because I've only worked in Liverpool. But actually, when you go and speak to other kind of UK core cities, it's not always the case. Um, and so I know that we are really lucky in that sense. And yeah, and I think in terms of the, the time, and you're absolutely right, it was a huge challenge for us. As you said, we had commissioners in, um, you know, everything was under scrutiny. And I think we did have to work really hard to get that past the commissioners. We had to go through all of the usual processes we would for any 
any you know spend of public money so we had to take it to cabinet and um, that was actually a really stressful part of the process because we didn't actually get the approval from cabinet until kind of right up before we had to submit the bid so we were kind of working on the bid in the hopes that we would get the support of cabinet to be able to then submit it and um, because obviously we were having to commit to that spend before we knew whether we were going to get it or not um, and it was a challenge and again you know all credit to Claire because I think she really fought for that um, and I think you know it, it goes without saying it did come with its challenges it wasn't plain sailing and I think we really had to justify to the commissioners and senior leadership because of the kind of situation that we were in just how valuable and a post an event of this scale you know of such international significance would be for the city um, so obviously we did get that back in um, in, in the end and, and obviously that was crucial in order for us to actually be able to deliver it. And your journey for it, because one of the pod, one of the reasons we've talked a about off air about the podcast is about promoting the careers that exist within local government. Did you see so, yourself working for local government growing up? Was it something that you kind of you sought out? No, How did no, you arrive here? So um, I went to university and I studied entertainment management at university here in Liverpool, actually um, in Liverpool, the Liverpool Institute for Performing Arts. So I knew I wanted to work in that kind of events entertainment management. And to be quite honest, I didn't really know that there was this kind of huge, well, huge compared to other UK cities, culture and events team here. I knew obviously Liverpool was great for events and there's so much culture going on, but kind of naive to just about just, you know, the team that actually existed. And um, so I kind of fell into it, really. Um, I had a friend who was working here back in 2015 and they needed somebody on a temporary six month basis to come and support with delivering um, a project that was happening here, one of the major events. Um, and at the time, I'd just kind of graduated and I was just kind of meandering my way through life, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so this opportunity came up and I came and got the job. And in my head, it was always a t- temporary whilst I looked for something else. But actually, when I started here and just realised the work that Culture Liverpool does um, and the opportunities that it presented, I realised, actually, I don't know why I'm continuing to look elsewhere, because if I can try and keep a job here, then there's so many opportunities for me to progress and learn new skills so um yeah it certainly wasn't something I ever thought about but and I certainly did fall into it but um I learned so much from those kind of first six months and um my role here is kind of I've moved around as well in the culture team always within culture but within slightly different roles and so that's given me the opportunity to gain skills in lots of different sectors really as well. One thing that councils struggle with is brand. What advice would you give to someone who's considering a, a role in local government or maybe hadn't considered one, but listening to you is going, oh, I wonder if there's an opportunity for me in the council? I think it's just kind of forgetting some of those, what people perceive a council to be. I think, you know, I've noticed in my time here in Liverpool City Council, there's been a lot of like culture change. I think kind of demographic as well as changing. You're seeing a lot of kind of younger people coming in as well. And obviously that I think that's great for making changes and switching things up a little bit. So I think just looking into, you know, what actually does your council deliver? Look at all those different departments um, and just see whether actually is there is there an opportunity there. And also I think one thing about working for a local council is that there's always opportunities to progress and move around once you're in. So I think that's very much supported. So I think what I did when I started to what I'm doing now is quite different. And so I've only really got to where I am because I've managed to move around and grab opportunities when they've come my way. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's so many positives. I think, um, you know, you, I work with all the different departments across the council as well, which 
means that I'm then developing skills in all these different sectors. You know, we work really closely with highways, children's services, um, kind of city centre, the cleansing teams. Obviously, when we deliver an event, all of these different elements all go into delivering that event. So even if you're working for one department, you're still going to have to, I imagine, in any department in the council, be able to work collaborative, collaboratively across the board. So, yeah, I think just thinking outside the box and actually looking into what, what does your council deliver and what could the opportunities be that you wouldn't even know existed. Where does your passion come from, Philippa? Because you have an energy that's it's, it's quite infectious. Where, where does it come from, this desire to really uh, be a ambassador for culture and to, to deliver things at a certain level? I think just working here over the past eight years and seeing the value of culture and the impact culture can have on a city, you know, people think about um, statutory services and how important they are, which is absolutely right. But since working here, I've seen, you know, working on some of the major events that Liverpool's delivered, not just Eurovision, but I've worked on um, the Giants, which was also an incredible experience and, you know, various other music festivals and various things across the city. Being on the ground when you're actually then delivering those events and seeing the joy from people who've, you know, residents and people who've travelled to the city um, and just how much joy that brings to people who come to them. I think just then spares you on to continue to do more. Um, and I think also I'm born and bred from Liverpool. You know, I've never actually lived anywhere else. I really, I'm really passionate about my city and I love living here. So I think having that passion for the city is a real obviously is really important in terms of wanting to do more and do better for the city in terms of your role. I love that. And then finally, I'm, I mean, it's, it's all new to me. This, but you you have to hand the baton back, don't you, with Eurovision now to do, is it yeah, the next city or is it to, when, what's the process? Yeah, so very, very um, gratefully, I'm heading off to Malmo um, at the end of the month in Malmo in Sweden, which is obviously the next host city for Eurovision. So um, there's a process, it's actually called a key handover. Um, and so there's this set of large keys on a huge key ring that's been travelling around the Europe over the past kind of 20 years or so. Um, and every time a city then hands over to the next host city, um, they pass on um, what they call a key to the next city. And it's almost like you're passing on the key to Eurovision. So you're handing over the reins to that city to then be the next host city. And so um, there's a ceremony that happens as part of that. So we hosted that here last January when Turin from in Italy handed over to Liverpool. And obviously this year, Liverpool is handing over to um, Malmo in Sweden. And so that ceremony is kind of, yeah, it's quite ceremonial. You know, the mayors get together and there's this kind of handing over, as you say, of the baton moment. Um, and then that's kind of when Malmo are, are the official host city from, from then on in. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's the end of the month. Um, and we've actually had to create um, a key to hand over. So there's not really any specific rules around what that's got to be or look like. It certainly doesn't have to be an actual key. Um, so I can't reveal too much, but Liverpool's key is really exciting. Um, we spent a lot of time working with a couple of local artists here in the city um, who were part of um, Euro Festival, which is part of our Eurovision celebrations here. Um, and we've designed a key that really represents Liverpool, but also Ukraine, who obviously we were hosting on behalf of, which is really important. Um, and that will all be revealed um, on the 30th of January when we hand the key over. 
So, um, yeah, that's also, that'll be live on the YouTube channel as well for Eurovision so people can actually watch that moment if they're interested as well. Well, I'll, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. But um, look, thank you so much for coming on, Phil. But genuinely, it's been lovely to talk to you. And I think for everyone listening at home, just have a listen and just absorb the fact that there are so many careers in the local government and there are so many ways in which you can help support your community. And Philippa, I mean, great yeah. work with the Eurovision, great work with the marriage um, <laughs> and, and good luck with the future. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Truth About Local Government. Today, we've been talking about Eurovision. Yes, that's right, Eurovision. If you've enjoyed it, please give it a like, share, and all the normal kind of uh, positive behaviour that helps us grow and continue to deliver this free podcast to the community. Speak soon. Today's episode is sponsored by the UK Leisure Framework, the UK's only dedicated leisure framework. The UK Leisure Framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping, design and construction of leisure centres and sports facilities. The framework is available to all UK public sector organisations and has completed over 100 projects to date. For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.